Father, we give you thanks for this day that you have given to us. We thank you for gathering us here in this place. We thank you for all that you give to us. We thank you for salvation. We thank you for the gift of your spirit and of your presence. And we thank you, Father, for your word. We ask now, Lord, that you'd open our hearts and minds to know it and to receive it. We ask, Father, in the name of Jesus, that you would pour out your Holy Spirit on us and on this place. I ask, Lord, that you give me words to speak, but that my own words and thoughts might be forgotten. In Jesus' name. Amen. So one of the things that my life has uh, been taken up with a lot in recent years is a lot of time in the air. And I've gotten to know airports and flights and all kinds of things reasonably well. In fact, um, the little airport where I usually fly out of, about two hours from where I live, uh, it got there for a while where I would walk up to the check-in counter and they would just ask me where I was going. They wouldn't even ask me my name. And it was uh, Calgary today, and uh, off we go. But if you've spent any time in traveling uh, by aircraft in recent years, you've probably encountered a few things that show you just how much the airlines love you. <laughs> I mean, surely we know they're there for us make us happy, to make our travel experience pleasant and enjoyable and easy. <laughs> One of the things that traveling a lot has done is it, it's given me this, this little card. I have a frequent flyer card now with, with the one airline that I travel with. And uh, one of the things it does for me is I don't have to pay for a suitcase. So I don't, I don't worry about trying to get everything into a carry-on. I can go ahead and, and pack a bag, or two bags, or even three bags sometimes. And uh, this one is, is I've, I've traveled enough, I don't even have to weigh it. I, I can bring 60 pounds, 70 pounds, not a problem. Although I have discovered if you put 60 or 70 pounds in your bag, it'll probably be broken when you get it back. <laughs> But I've also had the experience more than once where um, I, get, I get to the airport and I'm, I'm sitting already in the boarding lounge and the little uh, line beside the flight number changes from on time to delayed. And when I'm flying out of that airport, I am almost always catching another flight to somewhere. So that means if I'm delayed on this flight, that could be a problem on the next flight. And so, what do you do? I don't know if you've ever had that experience, especially when you're traveling to some place. And usually when I'm traveling to some place, there's something waiting on the other end. I've got to get somewhere, a meeting's starting, something's happening. And so if I'm delayed, that could be a problem. And since I'm flying out of a small airport and I'm catching a connection, there's only so many connections, and if I miss this one, it might not mean I get in later today, it might mean tomorrow or some other time, and then I've missed part of the whole point of it. And I remember once, it, it was the flight was just cancelled. And the whole room is full of people, and, and they said, well, you know, you, 
you have to go out and you have to go back into the desk. And I went out of the security area and there's this line of people all coming out. I don't know if you've ever had that experience, but what filled my heart wasn't joy. <laughs> and there's this great long line at the counter for help. And then I went, wait, you can call. Or you can check online. So you pull up the online and it says, we're experiencing higher traffic. <laughs> and you call the number. Press 1 for English. Press 2 for French. So you press 1 and then it's, if you're calling about this, press this. If you're calling about that, press that. If you're calling about this, so you press the number and then you get, we're experiencing higher calls. <laughs> Please check the website. And then on the back of this card is a number. And it's a special number. And in fact, when we flew back to Canada in August to go home for an anniversary party, we got to the airport and at the check-in desk there was a handwritten note on the check-in counter that said the check-in desk would be open at 9 o'clock for a 7 o'clock flight. <laughs> this was not encouraging. And there was nobody around at all. And so I thought, I'm not sure what to do. I checked online and it said that the flight was delayed and wouldn't tell you why, all those kinds of things. So I called the number and I got the we're experiencing my volume. But I only had to wait a moment, and then it was, punch in your flyer number, and then it was, how may I help you? And they were marvelous. Once, once you get through to the right people, it can be amazing when they're there to actually help you. And I, I fly with an airline that gets a lot of bad publicity. There's two main airlines in, in Canada. And they often get bad publicity, but what I've discovered is when I can get to a person, they have always been amazing at helping. And they remember what they're there for. They're there to help me get to where it is that I need to go. They're there to help my flight. Now, in all honesty, I'm not sure it would go as swimmingly, as easily, if I didn't have that card and that number. And... and when you have that experience, it's like a breath of fresh air, isn't it? Because it feels like the airlines have forgotten why they exist. They're just there to vacuum money out of your pocket. <laughs> instead of to help you have a good flight, a good experience. James was writing to the church because he wanted to address, to address a concern that he had for the church and the way it was living. You see, the church in his eyes had reached a place where at least some of the people in the church had forgotten about its purpose and why we're here. And he, he specifically wanted to highlight something about the way they live and interacted with one another. And he gives this example of what happens about the way they treat each other. And he said, it's like if the beautiful people come in. You treat them with honor and you give them the best place and they're welcomed and you're happy to see them. And if somebody comes in and they're not quite up to snuff, they don't, they don't look right, they're not clean, they're not wealthy, then you shuffle them over to the side or behind the pillar or you, you even seat them on the floor at your feet. So do you really think this is a Christian way of behaving? And this goes deeper than the sense of welcome 
that we give someone when they come and join us for something. This is all about the attitude of the mind and heart towards someone who has come in. You see, the church had slipped into the place where the people were behaving in a way that was comfortable for them. They were more than happy to welcome people and to be brothers and sisters with people who were just like them, with whom they were comfortable, who smelled good. But the ones who weren't just like them and maybe smelled bad and maybe weren't clean and maybe they didn't know them or maybe they talked with a funny northern accent or whatever it was, <laughs> those ones they weren't quite as happy to have there. So he said, you can be here, just go where I don't have to look at you. Or I don't have to hear you. Or I don't have to smell you. And James said, do you really think this is the way God wants you to be? Is this really his heart? He said, don't you know what the law says? The royal law, the overarching law, the one that we always begin our, our service with? The one that says, love your neighbor as yourself. And James said, do you think that's really loving your neighbor? And do you think if you don't love your neighbor, truly love your neighbor in, in the actions, that that pleases the Lord? In fact, James says, that's a sin that's as sinful as adultery or murder. If you show that kind of partiality, you might as well just pull out a knife and stab him in the heart. He wanted them to understand something about who we are and why we exist. The church doesn't exist so that the church can be happy and comfortable about itself church exists because it is the body of Christ present on earth to carry on his mission. Because what was Jesus' heart? That's what James wanted them to have. Jesus' heart. Jesus' passion. And Jesus' power. So in the gospel, Mark tells us a couple of episodes out of Jesus' life and ministry. And here he's gone way up north. He's not kind of where down in Jerusalem and, and in the kind of the home area. He's on the edges of Israel and even across the border a little bit. And so we have this time where, when he's in the city of Tyre, T-Y-R-E. And he goes to this house and he's trying to get out of the heat and out of the day and just have a moment of quiet. He doesn't want everybody to know he's there. But Mark says it couldn't be hidden. So they knew Jesus was there. Word got out, and this woman comes and bangs on the door. Not only is she interrupting his, his attempt at getting a bit of rest and quietness, she isn't even Jewish. She's not part of the chosen. She's not who the mission was for. But she won't be deterred. And she comes before him, and she says, I've heard about you, and I think you can help me. My little girl is possessed, and I need you to set her free. And Jesus said, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not called. That's not where my mission is. My mission field is here. I need to feed these people first. And she says, yes, but. Yes, but. As you feed your children, can I have a crumb? I think in that moment, Jesus gave her an opportunity to express her faith. I don't believe he was trying to push her away at all. 
I think there was a lesson in that for his disciples and for the other people in that room. And there's also an opportunity for her to, to not just walk away, but to say, no, I need you. And see what happened in that moment. As soon as she expressed her faith in that way, what does Jesus say? For saying that, you may go. Your daughter's healed. It's done. It's finished. It's complete. She goes home and finds the little girl resting and free. Jesus didn't even have to go to where that girl was, such as the authority that he has, even over unclean spirits, over demons. And that girl was released. And he leaves there and he goes to the next place, back to, to the region of Decapolis, to Sidon. And as he goes there, same thing happens. That happened to Jesus all the time. Wherever he went, people just, they just crushed him. Because wherever he went, stuff happened. Wherever he went, hope was given. Wherever he went, the gospel was preached. Wherever he went, people were healed and people were set free. They were given hope. They were given a glimpse of heaven. They felt his compassion and his love. And everybody came to him. And so they bring to him this man who is deaf and who can't speak clearly. They say, you need to heal him. What does Jesus do in his compassion? He takes this man aside. He doesn't want him to be a freak show. Or he doesn't want him to be an example for everybody to see. Because for Jesus, this wasn't about him showing off. It was about his compassion for a man who is deaf. In fact, once he was healed, he said, don't tell anybody. Jesus wasn't looking for glory. He wasn't looking for publicity. He was just living the love of God wherever he went. And James said, you need to have that kind of compassion as the people of God. People who don't belong. God loves them. Jesus healed them. Jesus set them free. Those who couldn't speak properly, who sounded funny, who couldn't hear. Jesus loved them and he healed them. And he didn't make a spectacle of their lives, but he treated them with dignity. And so he said, you, church, need to do the same. You need to be a place where anyone can come. Those who are lost, those who are dirty, those who are poor, those who are seeking, those who are in need. That's, who's, that's the ones that God's heart beats for. In fact, in the first reading from the prophet Isaiah, marvelous chapter, I like actually how it reads in a, a different translation. Um, uh, today's English version has a, has a great line in it. It says, Say to those, not mine, this says, Say to those who are of a fearful heart, actually in the other version it says, Say to those who are in a panic, <laughs> the different translation says those who are anxious so fearful, anxious, panic those whose lives are coming apart those who their hearts are just racing because they don't know what to do he said say to those ones it's okay don't fear God is coming and he will come and save you Isaiah, it, very important way this is written. Say to those who have a fearful heart, be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance. With the recompense of God, he will come and save you. 
Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer, and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. For water shall break forth in the wilderness, and streams in the desert. Your God will come then, healing happens. Well, then we just read that. Jesus came, and then healing happened. And what does James say? Your salvation has come. So healing happens. In fact, later in the same book, James says, Is anyone sick? You should call the elders. And they will pray over him and anoint him with oil, and his sins will be forgiven and he will be healed. James said, You need to welcome everyone with compassion because that's what God is like. He's filled with compassion. The ones who are broken, he has come to heal. The ones who are diseased, he's come to heal. Those who are bound up and oppressed and demonized, he's come to set free. Those who have no hope, he's come to give courage and hope and a future. Those who feel they are worthless, he has come to tell them that they are loved, that they are valued, that their very name is written on God's palm. In Isaiah it says, could I ever forget you, my people? Could a mother forget her children? Or a woman, the baby at her breast? I will not forget you. Your name is written on the palm of my hand. Such is God's heart for those who feel they're worthless and lost. And, God, and what James wants us to understand is it's through us that God wants to give that hope, that love, that compassion, that home, that community. But we also need to understand something even deeper. What did God do in his compassion? Did he sit there and say, when they finally come to me, I'll let them come in. When they come to their senses and come home, I'll love them. No, no, John, in his letter, writes, and this is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us. And that while we were still sinners, he came and died for us. God came to us when we couldn't come to him. We didn't even know where to go. So what is it that James would say to us about that? And we need to take the love of God out to those who don't even know where to go. Think about this for a second. Who was healed? There are two healing stories you read. Who was healed in the first one? The little girl. Did the little girl come to Jesus? No. How was it that she was healed then? The mother. The mother came to Jesus and said, This little girl needs you desperately. Would you heal her? Deaf man. Did he ask Jesus for help? How did he encounter Jesus? They brought a deaf man to Jesus. In other words, in both those healing stories, there were people desperately in need of God who couldn't get there to Jesus. And so somebody else was there for them. Guess what, church? That's our job. Our job is to be with the people who don't know what to do, don't know how to do it. James says, faith without works 
is dead. What he meant by that is, is what impresses God isn't how much you know, even whether you believe he exists or not. What God wants is our hearts to be with his heart, and that we put into practice what we know is true. That's actually what faith is, anyways. Faith isn't what you know and what you believe. Faith is what you live, what you walk out. And so it is, James said, it's not faith to say to someone who, who has no food, you know, be filled. Hope you have a great lunch. When you know darn well they have no lunch and no money to get lunch. James says you, you feed them. But there's an extension of this. It's no good to say to someone who's struggling, you need to pray. If they don't know how to pray. And we can't assume people know how to pray. I remember a story I may have told you. I had a friend, a guy I was, I was at university with. We were uh, lab partners. And uh, we had a great time together. Um, and uh, one day he called me up and said, uh, I need your help. What had happened was he, he had uh, one day decided he was going to call an old girlfriend. He was married. And he, he dialed her number and the phone rang and he went, this is a really dumb idea and hung up. So he didn't talk to her, he didn't, didn't follow through. What he didn't know was someone had been calling this poor woman and harassing her and she had a trace on her phone line and the police were watching to see who was calling her so they could catch whoever this was. And guess whose number came up? So they came and interviewed this poor, poor young man, and, and he said, yes, I, I called her, I only did it once, kind of explained the whole thing, and now he's in a panic, and they said, okay, fine, but if your number does that again, we're coming to talk to you. So now he's in a panic, so what does he do? He does one of those things that, that we sometimes do, God, if you get me out of this, <laughs> I will read my Bible. So he knew we'd gotten to know one another well enough that he called me and said, I need a Bible. <laughs> so we went down to the Bible bookstore and, and he went and bought a Bible. I feel bad because I just left him find one and let the lady at the counter help him. I, I probably should have helped. But he at least went and got one. But he was one of those people in that moment of panic, he knew he needed God's help. He reached out in whatever way he knew. And I, I think God met him in, in that moment. But it would have been better if I spent a bit of time with him. Because a few days later I get this phone call. What does this mean? In the beginning was the Word and was the Word was with God. And then we're like, I don't get it. It's like, oh yeah. He needs some help. So I did my best to explain what that meant and suggested another place you might want to read. So it does you no good simply to say to someone, just read your Bible. It might be better to listen to what's going on in their life and say, you know what, you might want to read in this place. Do you know how to find it? Let me help you. Or to say to someone who's in need, to say, you know, I find out I can pray about that and God helps me. What can I pray for for you? And let's pray right now. And then you pray one of those prayers. Well, some of you uh, um, may have heard of something called the Alpha Course. Did I say it better? A-L-P-H-A. -A. So it's a course for people who would like to learn about Christianity. 
And in there, there's a training session for the leaders to help the leaders of the small groups to know what to do so they're a help to people who might come on the course. And when it comes to the session on prayer, they give you direction about how to pray as a leader. Because there can be a temptation if you've been a Christian for a long time to pray the way that you always pray. Well, the way you pray may make sense if you've been a Christian your whole life, but if you're not even sure you're a Christian yet, that can be a bit of a problem. And so what they suggested is start with, with uh, prayers of thanksgiving that are easy. So I borrowed this when, with our youth group. Uh, Veronica and I used to lead our youth group when we were in the parish. And I remember teaching our youth about that. I'd say, when people come, you know, we prayed always. We'd start with prayer, and I said, we're just going to say thank you prayer. And I said to them, when people are visiting with us, pray like this, because we want it to be easy for them to join in. Thanks, God, for dirt. Amen. <laughs> because the idea is that the person who's listening thinks, I can be better than that. <laughs> so when someone has a need in their life, we don't need big, fancy words. We just go right to the heart of the problem. So somebody's just got a diagnosis that they've got some kind of disease. Well, what is it that's going on? Well, they want to be healed, but they're probably afraid. So what do you pray? Well, say, can I pray with you now? Father, thank you for your love. Thank you that you're here. Thank you for my friend, Jane. Lord, you know what news she's just had. Would you give her peace and take away her fear? Would you heal her? Amen. Simple, just dealing with what it is. But remember something more. That God has called us not just to give a welcome, not just to point to Him, but to be His hands and feet. And He's commissioned us to do what He did. And we should have an expectation that through us, God is going to continue to do everything Jesus did. You might want to mull on that for a second. Because what did Jesus do for that little girl who was possessed? He delivered her. He set her free. He healed her. What did Jesus do for the deaf man? He healed him. Guess what God does now? Our God is a God of power. His power hasn't gone away. He still does marvelous things. He is still the Savior. He is still the Deliverer. He is still filled with compassion and mercy. And He wants to flood that through us to those who need it most. <clears throat> and so we should have an anticipation that where we are, the Kingdom of God is doing things. So let's be that place. Let's be that people. Don't let that scare you and don't think that means you have to work something up or come up with some way of doing things. Our job is to say, okay, God, yes, use us. Come and do what you're going to do the way you want to do it. So that, to me, should be our prayer. And will you pray that with me? I want to pray that right now. But would that be our prayer as his people? And that's something you can take away and think on. And if you put that back in your heart this week, maybe that's something to pray. So let us pray.
Father, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for your mercy. Lord, mercy that we don't deserve and yet you freely give to us. We thank you for sending Jesus. We thank you, Jesus, that you willingly went to the cross for our sake and that you rose again. That you give us life. That you make us your own. That you change who we are so that we now belong to you. And we thank you, Lord, that you have called us together to be your people, to be your church. Lord, we thank you for the love that we have experienced in this place and as your children together. And Lord, we pray that you give us more of your love. Lord, help us to love one another truly and deeply. But Lord, we also pray that you would pour your love through us to those who need it. Lord, make our hearts open and compassionate to those who are lost, those who are weak, those who are dirty, those who don't know how to even reach out to you. Lord, we say yes to you, that you would use us as you will. But we pray that as we step out, that your power would come and be released in us and through us, that you would be glorified and that your kingdom would grow. We ask these things in the name of Jesus.